So, Kieran, I'd love to start at the start. What was life like as a youngster? What were your aspirations? Yeah, good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I didn't grow up in Christchurch, so you can't ask me where, where I went to school. Um, I grew up in Papakura, so in South Auckland. Um, we're, well, we, you know, I grew up in a, a great household, um, lived in a cul-de-sac, my parents, uh, my mum was at home when I was at school, she was a uh, primary school teacher, uh, my dad's a surveyor, um, and they're both from, one's from Taranaki, one's from Timaru, and they ended up in Auckland, kind of away from family um, a little bit, um, and had a great childhood, um, but a few things within that that kind of stick out to me and probably of, of what um, you know I utilise today and what I utilise through my career is the fact that it was an outdoor childhood, you know, it was a get out the house and, and play sport. Um, cul-de-sac was fantastic for us to um, get outside basically after every day and play with the neighbours and whether that's rugby, uh, frisbee, inline hockey, we had all these all these things going on. Um, and so I, um, I'm in the middle of three brothers. My older brother's pretty close in age, um, a couple years older, and the younger one's four years younger. So um, yeah, it was a a pretty excitable household, um, yeah, plenty of sport, plenty of outdoor activities, um, and, you know, a really supportive family, um, but obviously where we grew up in, in South Auckland, it's, uh, it's multicultural, it's an awesome place, because um, you get to see so many different perspectives uh, of life, and, you know, of what other people perhaps are going through that um, we probably were fortunate to not have to go through, so... Um, that's yeah how I was brought up, and um, there's heaps of things that, that you know my parents instilled in me around you know doing what's right and doing what what what's good, um, and you know my dad really probably instilled a bit of work ethic into me as well. Um, you know, he's one who really worked hard, so he'd get us in when he's establishing their business. You know, we'd go in and vacuum and and clean his offices on the Saturday after after sport and. Um, yeah, do lots of stuff together as a as a family, and um, I think being away from probably our grandparents and other cousins and stuff a little bit um, meant that we yeah we grew up pretty close and um, yeah had a had a pretty pretty nice uh, and awesome um, childhood. I love it, I love it. Thank you for sharing that. And folks, I would definitely encourage you to take this opportunity while you're here. Sometimes a golden nugget will just drop, so please use your notebooks and just t- take a note. If Karen says something like "Whoa." That really hits home. I needed to hear that. Please, you know, write it down. And, you know, Kieran, the one thing I would say that I really admire about you and some of your other fellow top players is your curiosity. You're always asking questions. You're always uh, eager to learn. And so where did that come from? Um, look, I think it was a case of, you know, as a, as a student, I always wanted to do well. I got, for some reason, I always wanted to be at the top. So, you know, I wasn't, I was handy academically and I wanted to push myself there um, but the sport was what really drove me um, and so I always wanted to compete. Um, having an older brother definitely I think was where it probably started. Um, so my older brother was physically stronger than me as they are, um, you know, faster everything so you know, I would continually push him, push him um, to the boundaries whether that's in running races or you know, playing rugby out in the backyard. Um, just wanting to compete, wanting to try and try and beat him and, and, and win, and that requires you to learn. You know, like I had to find certain ways for me to, um, you know, get get one over him because he was 
if it came down to a fight, you know, I got spat out the ass, you know, like, <laughs> got beat up and got whatever. So I had to try and, yeah, be really smart um, with the way, you know, I learned to try and uh, beat him in different things. Um, you know, exactly, you know. The way it was with him was, you know, I'd sit there and watch him play PlayStation. PlayStation was just new that then when I was growing up, and um, he wouldn't let me have a go. He'd he'd play the entire game and then sit there for a couple of hours watching him, and then he'd go, oh, yeah, here you go, you can play now, and he was off. So I was like, oh, I'm not playing now. <laughs> you know, so I'd go follow him outside and, you know, we'd do something out there. So I think that was his ploy. Um, so it was, uh, you know, he shaped me a lot, a lot of ways in that and trying to figure out, um, you know, as you say, like you've got to find a different way to um, for me to compete against him, you know, not just make it a physical battle. Um, and I think as I, as I, you know, went through into high school and things, um, you know, the, where I was at high school, I went to Rosal College, um, which is a co-ed school in Papakura, uh, and it's basically 2,000 kids, um, all walks of life, and... Uh, if you want to be successful, you've got to really take it. You know, you've got to grab it with your own two hands. Um, you know, if you want to succeed, um, you know, teachers and place is awesome. But yeah, surround yourself with the right people. I think I did that um, really well at that age. And um, you know, I wanted, you know, for some reason I just wanted to succeed and wanted to do well. So um, you know, probably brought about from my you know upbringing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was about just just trying to do it myself and I think a lot of that was pushed from my parents and stuff but then it's like okay if I want to do it I've got to go out there and do it myself so that's probably where it started for me um, in terms of yeah putting a, a bit on my shoulders to do it you know the way I wanted to do it. I love it mm. and when you go back to those days and you, know, you had that leaning towards sport rather than school and you said you got you got by at school but sport was your passion was there anybody there, like, so I had my headmaster who was a pivotal leader that got me to make this decision. Was there anybody that helped you see that there's a crossroads, like, ooh, if I go down that, I could do really well? Yeah, there's a couple, like, definitely a few. Like, I love all sport. Cricket and rugby were my passions growing up. Um, probably enjoyed cricket more than rugby when I was um, going through high school. Uh, and so I had a cricket coach who was Mr. Alan Wimp, um, and he appeared like at that age, like he was quite old to me. He seemed very old, probably 70, 80, but he's probably only 50, 60 at that time. But he would drive from Weymouth, which is probably half an hour away. And my route to school was via Karaka Cricket Club, which was my cricket club. So he'd drive in the morning, half an hour out to meet me at 7.30 in the morning at the Karaka Cricket Nets. Um, so my dad, as he's taking me to school, um, you know, would come in there and he'd, my dad would sit and wait and, I'd get out and sit in the nets and he'd give me throwdowns and, um, you know, I'd hit balls for half an hour, you know, a couple of times a week during kind of winter, just during, um, you know. And so it was kind of like, why is this guy investing in me a little bit? And probably I didn't quite understand at that point. I just thought, hey, this is quite cool. I'm, you know, trying to push myself. He's invested in me. Um, but the ability for him to give me a confidence that he really backs uh, man is willing to, he values what I could offer, that he's willing to do all this, you know, drive out and, and see me and, and, and help me in that way um, was amazing. Such and, great leadership. Yeah, influence. yeah, huge. And so seeing that, I guess, um, you know, at the point at 13, 14, 15 years old, you don't quite, un, you know, grasp it, you know, of how, how important it was. Um, but, yeah, that had a massive impact on me in terms of, so those coaches were awesome. Um, 
you know, because he's not doing that for everyone, you know. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. Um, and then another one as well. So, uh, my PE teacher at Rosal College, uh, James Fraser, who was our kind of first 15 coach as well. So we were a big school. We had one rugby team and we scraped together <laughs> a team to try and make a rugby team, um, at our school. Um, and so, yeah, I played first 15th, you know, fifth form, sixth form, seventh form. Um, and kept them in my last year. And the year before, when I was Form 6, um, you know, I'd played counties representative sides in rugby um, and enjoyed it. Uh, I went to a, well, no, I went, I chose to go with the school team to Australia. We saved money, we fundraised. Um, we wanted to go and play a gala tournament in the Gold Coast. Um, so I did that with, with our first 15 because it was, you know, a heck of a lot of fun, you know, of course. <laughs> all the mates in the Gold Coast for a week. So I did that and I sacrificed playing secondary schools rugby for counties and trying to make teams or whatever. Um, but then James, you say, oh, we got back and there was another tournament for like the county's bees or um, something happening. So he said, oh, you got me into that team. Um, and he said, oh, there's a, you got some selector or someone to come and come and watch me and uh basically the selector said to james after he said i oh, don't bother with him just tell him to stick with cricket <laughs> is, uh, is what he said and so I don't, and i don't know when james told me that's what he said and i think um but james probably took that personally on on himself a little mm. bit and i don't think he told me straight away or within the next year but um so the next year in seventh form, he would, uh, similar to what Alan did, you know, he would, uh, he'd come in and he lived in Auckland, he'd drive south and I'd drive in early, um, you know, and, and turn up on the rugby fields at Rosal College, which, you know, you had to pick out the class sometimes and different <laughs> things. And it was kind of, you know, it's, you know, it was just me and him in, in the morning and, um, he would hold tackle pads. He would, um, because our team, you know, none of our team, really had aspirations to move on or in the game um, and things. And I didn't really myself, but I'm like, man, this guy's investing in me. This is amazing. I've, I didn't know about the teams I could make or what I could do in the future because of the situation we're in. Um, but, yeah, that little investment there and his ability to just say, hey, look, we probably need to do a bit more than what mm-hmm. um, we do, which was, you know, Tuesday, Thursday for an hour, um, Compared to what first of things do now, which is <laughs> professional flipping all, all day, you know. So, um, yeah, like he was massive. He, he kind of just gave me, Hey, look, if you want to do this, we'll work this way. And, you know, there's certain things we can help you with. He also helped out, um, you know, so the, the tuck shop, so the canteen. So he got money from somewhere that I got to go and grab a, a filled roll and a primo every day. Wow. What um, a good man. Cause I was skinny. Um, probably think I'm skinny now so I was even skinnier back then and I've lost a bit of weight since I was playing but I needed to put on some weight um because I hadn't touched the gym or hadn't touched anything at this point um and so he kind of guided me into a bit of nutrition a bit of a bit of gym and he's just going off he's not a you know um he didn't know really what he's doing either but um and he would have been probably late 20s I guess at that point um and so yeah helped me in in a lot of ways so like I got to turn up to the canteen and take my filled roll and primo <laughs> and add that to all the sandwiches you know I'd made at home and, and different things um, 
And so it gave me this perspective on potentially what it takes and yep. this, like how I can get, because um, where we were, there was no pathway for us out of Russell College to get to uh, professional rugby or get to kind of anything in sport. And he really showed belief in you. This so was showed belief in me, 100%. Yeah. Showed belief and then said, um, you know, I believe in you. Um, you know, if you want to do this, you, let's work hard for it. And I think I was willing to work hard because that's how I was brought up. You know, my dad would say, go, you know, go hit balls, go practice, throw a ball around, whatever. Um, so that was my DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically from there, kind of went from going, playing for Rosehill College, you know, to make a county secondary school team, which we played in a regional tournament, um, to making this team Northern Regions <clears throat> and then making New Zealand secondary schools. And I'm literally turning up at that tournament, not even knowing there's a New Zealand secondary schools team. I did not, <laughs> genuinely didn't know you could make a New Zealand team um, because we didn't, no one talked about it at our school, you know. Mm-hmm. It was like, not like it is now where there's kind of pathways. So I felt I kind of did it in a different way um, and felt like I had to really prove myself mm-hmm. um, a lot coming from a, a smaller school and coming from a smaller region. Um, so, yeah, that's probably, yeah, th- those things there stick with you for, uh, you know, all your life really and all your rugby career and, and even now. So It sounds like your upbringing as well in this school helped you develop grit. Like you're going to go that bit further, you're going to go that bit extra. And to be uh, at a regional team and then a national team and then to be captain, of course you need that grit and that tenacity. Yeah, you do. Like I think... Um, there's a bit of that in, within me. I think also too, what really, it really, um, I valued my the friendships and and the the value of good people around you and, and friends and stuff. I think for me, it shows how much it can really do to you. Like you don't have to go down this one path of this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to stick to it. Stick to it. You can have balance in it, um, and you can get to where you want to go in a different way. And, and rather than just being fully focused on this one one thing and all this you know there's you've got to bounce back and you've got to ha- be able to you know take these hits or, or things like that but um yeah i really valued the um the value of friendships and the value of being in a, in a pretty um safe place uh for my friends and and um in that and so yeah you I, had your I, dream team around you right a little bit yeah and then literally none of them would come to, with me to the next, you know, when I represented counties, it was kind of Wesley College well, and plus me. So I was um, <laughs> the one white guy in this team of uh, a lot of Polynesians and, and Māori and stuff. So it was amazing. Um, but, you know, I had to, you know, live a, a sort of not really a, a life that was kind of you know, just really quite quiet, just because yeah. that was the nature of um, these teams I was re- I was representing. Um, and so you you pick up a lot. Um, I learned a lot over those years, kind of ended my schooling, um, and when I uh, moved on because I was pretty quiet um, and listening and just watching. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things that happen in sport and rugby, especially in, in teams. Um, for me, you know, I got a lot of gold out of that. To me, um, that's a golden yeah. nugget right there, yeah. guys. If I was thinking, I'd be like, okay, like leaders listen, yeah. leaders speak last. And you were in that team and you felt you had to sit back and listen. But actually, that was a skill unbeknownst to you that was going to help you as a great leader. Yeah, I think it, yeah, it's definitely helped me. I think it really, that whole listening part is, is huge. Um, and so, 
yeah, and even coming down the Canterbury when I first came down, you come down here and it's there's this big team. You've got you're walking through the gym, there's Dan Carter, Ruben Thorne, Justin Marshall, um, you know, Richie McCaw and all these guys, and you're a nineteen year old going, Wow, this is unbelievable. Um, you know, I'm got sixty kgs on my bench press. <laughs> I'm like, these guys come in and they're walking. I'm like, oh, I need, I need to do some work. Um, but just inspired, like, he's just rubbing shoulders with them. And, and not that you had conversations. Um, you know, they might say hello as they walk past, but um, being in the same gym, you know, working out with them and um, not with them, but at different times. Um, and so, yeah, little things like being able to just soak up. And because I never had confidence in myself as a leader. Um, like I did co- uh, captain my cricket teams and first 15, but um, as soon as we went into these bigger teams, I was like, oh, no, I'm, this, I'm this kid from this small school. I've got no right to, um, to talk. Um, and in some ways, that was probably a good thing um, for me because it, it allowed me to listen, allowed me to watch and go, because I had all these ideas, these leadership ideas in my head, um, and other people were probably trying them out for me and, and I was watching and saying, oh, that's probably a good thing. That's maybe not so good. Um, and, yeah, you build up experience in, in this and then you, I guess finally your coaches and your, other, your peers and your teammates suddenly realise that I'm suddenly voicing these opinions mm-hmm. and I'm voicing, you know, I'm demanding of, of people um, and then suddenly go, hey, you're a leader. And I was like, Shh, I'm not a leader. I didn't, had no idea I was a leader. Um, what helped you develop that courage but, yeah. to be the leader to have those courageous conversations? Yeah, man, I, I, I don't know. I think it's a lot to do with everything that just built up to that point, you know, watching and learning, um, being a, a part of teams and knowing what success was, gonna, was needed. And I was like, it came to the point really that for me to be successful, I needed this person and this person to do their job really well um, and that will make the team be successful. So if they're not doing it, I actually need to say to them, hey, we need to do this or this or that. And, and so um, really just being courageous to to really just say what needs to be done. If it needs to be done, you, you say it. Um, and so I think I really just grew in that space. Um, and so I could do that quite easily because that was on the rugby field at training or just having a quiet word to your mate or after training say hey look why don't we just do a bit more work on this pass or this move because um, that was quite easy um, it probably took a while before I could get up in front of the team and deliver something like that but um, yeah what those I love little it. conversations were, were pretty vital and that's mate that's that is leadership I don't know it at the time yeah a hundred percent when you say that I'm just hearing the word influence you have this influence over others and what you just described about having the conversations and the patience and the ability to listen. I could imagine we could take that into our business lives, but I also could imagine taking it like as a parent, like just that extra bit of patience, listening that little bit longer, not finishing the sentence off. So I feel like the leadership that you are exemplifying it transcends through all different parts of life and business. Yeah, it does. It does. And so you talk about, yeah, like listening. Um, you know, I can't imagine. So I, my dad took me to so many rugby games you know, we drove quite a few places and he wouldn't say one word about the game on the way home. And I don't know how he did it. You know, I've got my kids now and I go watch my kids' games and you're driving home and you just want to talk to them about the game, you know, and say, you know, 
say, oh, what have you done this or this? And I, so, but I remember my dad, and he, he just, he was so supportive in what I wanted to do, and, he, and I think he genuinely wanted me to do well, but he would do it in his way. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't say anything technical. He wouldn't say, you should have done this or should have done that. Um, but he would be there for me. Um, and so, yeah, I, that part of leading is definitely what I try and do for myself, with my kids now. Um, and that's actually bloody hard to do. It's yeah. a really hard thing to just sit there and just be there and support them as kind of a, a person, um, as, you know, as their dad or, or whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I, I appreciate that. And um, I think that's a, a massive part of, yeah, leading is, is just in some ways being there and allowing that person to shine and allowing mm-hmm. them to be who they are, yeah. What's beautiful what you're saying there is I hear empathy. Uh, you're letting others shine. Uh, you're thinking about your kids and you're thinking about your team. And I really think that empathy is the number one trait that we need to, as, as leaders, high-performing leaders, to really embody mm. and put ourselves in other people's shoes. And yep. you can do that as a dad, partner, uh, a leader of a business or a sports team. Yeah, it's huge. And I think um, yeah, I really valued that as I moved up. So when I, you know, captain of the All Blacks, um, you know, it can be, it's challenging in all these ways, but I, I genuinely found this point where empathy was, was massive. I think my whole childhood and my whole, how I was brought up got me to the point where I, you know, had, had a better connection with the Polynesian boys who came in. You know, I could connect with these guys who were out of these, you know, potentially rougher neighbourhoods and, and things, and also the, you know, the white guys from the farm and, and things like that. So... I was lucky I had that ability to connect um, through how I was brought up. Um, yeah, and so being able to put yourself in those shoes and understanding that it's not a one-size-fits-all in, in leadership um, and, and in rugby, it's the same, you know, like it's actually genuinely connecting on an individual basis with each of each of my, my guys, you know, yep. was important um, because then they trust you as a leader, um, and so it was, you know, talking to Rico Ioani, you know, as a young fellow and just asking him about his family or, you know, um, his mum and dad were a big influence on his life. So finding out a little bit about, about that. Um, and then suddenly there's this connection that's bigger than, you know, purely him catching a ball and scoring tries. It, it's, it's more. And um, then for me, if I needed to have a conversation that needed to be said with, with him, it, it was a bit easier for us to, to have it. Um, what you've hit there and I might so, just yeah. if you don't mind me interrupting it's so gold mm. um, for the person out there who's running a company um, or has an organisation who's worried about staff retention and I know we've all heard about the great resignation well I think we've all seen it we've seen mm. people leaving and moving on so to keep people engaged it's about influencing them and to have influence over them you need to know what already influences them and with, with Rio yeah. you did that yeah it is and I think it's um, you know it's, it's hard to do because mm. you know but creating that genuine connection, um, you know, with everyone on an individual basis, on a connection with that person. Um, and it shows them they care. All they're looking for is a little bit of trust, aren't they? They want to be able to trust you, and, and you obviously need them to trust you. And for us on the field, it's trusting that you'll do your job, I'll do mine, um, we'll bring it together. Um, and in business, it's more about trust of still doing their role, isn't it? And we, I'm going to allow you to do your role. And if you do that... Um, and have a connection, they're more likely to want to give more to you, to the business, give more to you um, as a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And yeah, it's not paying lip service to it, it's, it's making it genuine. Um, and perhaps, you know, it's probably one of my biggest strengths as a leader was probably that part of it. Um, you know, looking back and then how I probably approach things that's, um, yeah, was, was yeah, probably the, the main approach for me in, in that area. Yeah, and I can personally attest to that. Like anytime we connect, it's very much you're always engaging, always asking, and you've got a skill set. And I'm sure that others who've met Kieran today, he has a way of when you're sitting with him, like you're the only person in the room. He's looking right at you, and uh, that's real intentional focus and, and presence. Yep. And as a leader, I guess that's just incredibly important. Yeah, I think so. I think it's important. You know, as you say, like um, just being present with people is massive, and being ability to to listen. And you've talked about it, but um, yeah, kind of just listening and saying, I, I care about you. And so for us in rugby and, and on the field, um, you build these great bonds around how hard you work and, and what you do on the field and you sweat together and, and you know, you, you see each other working hard and those are awesome. So that's how it creates a lot of things. But um, the, the cohesion and what you build and the bonds you build perhaps just outside of the field is probably as important or maybe just as important. Um, yeah, so going for a coffee or playing cards with each other and having a laugh. and Friday afternoon what, drinks. Yeah, like for us it was Tuesday afternoon because, you know, um, <laughs> after our big day. Why not it's Tuesday afternoon, so, yeah, right? So, um, <laughs> far enough away from Saturday. You know? um, <laughs> but yeah, so, and the All Blacks did it really well. Like They genuinely thought laughter and fun was, so Steve Hansen brought this in probably a little bit and said, okay, for us, we have to structure fun, laughter in our environment. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, that was purposely built in. That's brilliant. And a lot you of know, people think of fun as spontaneous, but actually to structure, yeah, like, we're going to be yeah. intentional. You know, and, you know, the fun part is the cool bit and the laughter is awesome because that creates all these things <laughs> and feelings. But while you're having this fun, you're having this talk with your, your colleague that perhaps you don't know quite so much and you can connect on some, some other level. So, yeah. I love that. And in terms of, so you're in the All Blacks, you're not quite captain yet, but you're watching, you're listening, you're being very curious. So when you stepped up and you got the, the big call up, what's the first thing that came to mind? Was there any, oof, imposter syndrome, oh my God, I can't believe it's happening. What was your first reaction when you got the big call up? Um, it's, a, it's a good question. Like I think when I did get the big call up, like I was... I was ready. I actually genuinely wanted to lead the team, and I wanted to. I did want that job, um, and so it was more a case of because I'd led the team for about ten tests prior to that um, when Richie was away. Um, like I was primed. I was actually. I, I wanted it. You know, I was at that point where, come on, Steve. You know, unleash me a little bit. I had all these, you know, feelings and thinking around things. Um, and wanted, you know, wanted to have a crack. Um, and so that was probably my first thought, you know, amazing. <laughs> this is like the massive, biggest honour, I guess, as an all that you can have. Um, but I genuinely wanted to sink my teeth into it and, and try and, you know, do things, yeah, my way, I guess, in, in some ways. Um, yeah, so it was a pretty amazing moment. And to be able to lead the team, it was crazy. And, yeah, the difference between just filling in as captain and being full-time captain is chalk and cheese, man. You're just pretty relaxed when you fill in and, and kind of don't quite understand what Richie went through for, man, 10 years, 8 years. Um, 
like that's there's a lot of stuff chucked on you on your shoulders and everything and um when you're not that guy you know you can just focus on the game and do all this stuff but suddenly you're taking the entire game and players and coaches on your shoulders and thinking going through this it's um yeah the enormity of it is yeah it is kind of what it is and it, it's challenging uh, I was definitely ready for the challenge um but when you're actually given it yeah it's a different ball game and mm. you've got to really step up and, and and improve a lot more yeah and in terms of you said you had like an idea of what you wanted to do you were excited to step in what was your vision for being the captain what did you want when you walked away from that role as captain yes I achieved that what was that vision yeah, I think I wanted to ensure that I based my leadership around the connections. You know, it was around the the people enjoying what we're doing. Like, it's a high performing team. Like, we've got to be successful. You know, so it, um, you know, it's tough because you're based on your your um, yeah. People look at you from your results, mm-hmm. and so that's what they look at um, and what you're doing. So it's hard to kind of sometimes look past that as a, as a leader. Um, but I, I feel like what I left is, is a team that was willing to um, connect in different ways a bit more um, in terms of emotionally, uh, empathetically, uh, and vulnerability. Um, so, and I think that um, helped us because the people now in, in, in rugby um, or everywhere, you know, young people are... Um, different to us older people <laughs> yeah and, and so they needed slightly different things and, and um, around their emotional regulation and what they're seeking um, and in rugby it's especially that way because you get young people coming in there's a lot given to them and it's a lot of you know really good stuff but they get used to just being fed um, you know what to do what to eat when to turn up train here do this do that do that um so it's about trying to create opportunities for them to say, hey, look, there's other things that they can work on. Um, they can focus on this part of their life, balance of it, but also understanding what it, what it needs and what it takes. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably where I tried to lead the side. Um, yeah, so, and also, you know, um, yeah, prided myself on how I, my ability to captain in the moment. Mm. Um, and that's being calm, that's being calculated, it's like knowing to, to make clear decisions um, when your team's under the most pressure. Um, so, yeah, really pride myself on, on being able to, you know, stay clear-headed, stay in, in the moment um, on, those, on those big, big occasions um, and, Can we and unpack make the right that? call. Yeah. You just want to dive in there. I think that's fascinating. We all have pressure. Um, I really want to know more about that. So when you're under pressure and you have to make a decision, and on in the rugby field it's not like, okay, let me take five minutes and have a cup and we'll yeah. think. You've got half a second to make a decision or you've got a minute to make a decision. Yeah. What was your thought process or what, was there a process you went through to help you make a good, clear decision? Yeah, look, I think a lot of it, um, when you get to that moment, um, I didn't want to think too much. I just wanted to, you, want, you need to back your instincts. So at that point, um, there's no, not much thinking going on. Yes, you're... Um, there's this knowledge of what's happening in the game, what's the ref doing, how they defend, all the stuff that's happening in the background as a leader that's going on, but I didn't really want to be thinking about it. So I I was able to just make a decision because I knew that over years, over the week of preparation, all the stuff, I've built up all this knowledge and things that are there. 
um, that when you get out there on the field, you can't be thinking. There's just no way you should be thinking about you know, what's coming or what's going on. You literally have to think about what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you know, um, you know, you're not going to be giving what you need to. So um, it was a long time to be able to trust that, I guess, because you always want to think about things. Um, but in, in, on the field, um, I utilised key guys. So that, that helped me. So I, I utilised um, Ben Smith a lot. Um, who was out the back, or Bodie Barrett, who was um, for the last year or so. Um, for me, so a fullback, so he can see this field, he can see a lot of stuff that's happening, whereas I've got my head in, and you know, I can feel things, but I can't quite see what's, what's happening on the field. So I utilise them, I utilise our first five, um, and basically just have, would have like, um, what do the military call it, when you have like short, sharp um, conversations. And so it would be 10 seconds, 20 seconds, when there was a break and play, connect. What are you seeing? Seeing this. Think we should do this. All good. Yep. Okay. Let's bring the team in. Let's deliver that. Um, and so, yeah, I was making sure I had those guys, um, you know, really good thinking. Um, that helped me to, if I need to make a decision. Um, plus, you've got things coming in. So you've got your coaches who are watching the game. You got, so you've got these trainers and water boys running out and delivering messages to you. And sometimes you just like, hey, go away, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, because you know, there's too much info sometimes. Yeah. Um, but what Nick Gill, our trainer, who's still trainer of the All Blacks, was great at is he'd go to the right person um, mm-hmm. with that. And, you know, go, if he came to me, you could either use it and deliver it or not um, and know how to filter a little bit of stuff. Um, yeah, so it's, yeah, I think the biggest thing as a leader is you build these processes and you do your preparation, you do all your work, that when you get in that actual moment of pressure and when these things are happening, as long as, long as you can keep your mind clear and calm, back your instinct, I think is the biggest one. Back all this, all that stuff that's got to you to where you are now. I love that, yeah. and that reinforces. I feel, Karen, what you're saying there. People that want to jump up the ladder, whether it's in sport, whether it's in business, and they want to become the captain like, overnight. Well, actually, that leadership is earned and it's learned. Yep. And through our life, we have experiences where we fail. Experiences where we learn from those. So, when you were in the captaincy role. What was one of the big failures? Like, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. Like, if I could go back, that's what I learned from that. I would do this differently. What was one of those moments? Um, I don't know. It's hard. I don't don't ever look back on things and I wouldn't change anything. But I think you look back and go, there's there's definitely uh, weeks in leaders where I look at weeks where perhaps we'd lost at the end of the week. And you go... I maybe let things slide, and you go, maybe I trusted like that or assumed, sorry, I made assumptions that these these guys have done their work, they've done their work, and, and it's I like, oh, there's a thing in the back of my head saying I should have I should say this, but I assume that perhaps it's already been said, mm-hmm. and, may, and maybe you know, and then I'd so if I didn't say it, and then it came to the weekend or something, you know, and things didn't go well, you always look back and go, oh. You know, why don't I just say that? You know, or or you know, hit us up about this thing. So that's probably the only yeah, the the biggest thing and, and some of them um 
a lot of weeks you have great weeks and you, you turn up on the week and you lose, you know. Like, um, so, yeah, you can't control everything there, um, but there's definitely a lot of... And so the weeks when the All Blacks lose, um, it's generally not the Saturday or the game day that is the reason. It's the week, it's the Sunday to Friday. And so if you think about that as a business, you know, or whatever it is, it's not, you know, the day of the sales or everything. That, that's not the reason why things don't go. It's the, all that preparation leading up to there, that's the reason why things don't go well. So, um, yeah, that was always the way. It was maybe we didn't get our mindset right on a Sunday night, you know. You know, we weren't, you know, guys maybe took it too easy on a Monday or, you know, what, whatever it was, something like that just really just filters through the week. Um, so there's always things that we always um, took out of. Great thing with, you know, rugby was that we got to learn and we could um, apply these learnings on the next week. There's a next week in rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, but you've got to find those lessons, don't you? So you've got to review properly, you've got to hold each other accountable in, the, in those spaces and be prepared to be held accountable and, and make sure that you've got a space of learning and stuff. So um, that's what was really good in those environments. Um, because, yeah, you want to win every game, but you're not going to. Um, so be realistic around that. Yeah, and I love that evaluation piece. I really like that, where mm-hmm. you guys would uh, reflect and learn. And I feel that like as leaders, that's something that we maybe don't do as much as we could, is reflect on our day, our week, our behavior, our business. What do you do post-rugby in terms of evaluating your personal leadership? Yeah, look, I think I've, it's, it's changed. Like, I'm kind of exploring this new avenue which is a bit like yourself in terms of like changing my role now now I want to pass on, on these kind of leadership lessons and things to people so I'm created my own kind of business um, that's doing that um, and it's in different ways and it's, it's crazy because you know I'm just connecting with people and sometimes it's just you know giving talks to businesses and it's about culture or leadership or you know high performing teams um, <clears throat> and things for me right now, to ensure that I'm doing that the best I can, it's, it's really getting the balance right. Um, <coughs> pardon me. Um, and so balance right now is heavily focused on my family um, and being able to then give myself the opportunity to, you know, if I get that right, then I'm in a great state and I can deliver um, other things really well. So uh, that's probably where I'm looking at my own personal leadership right now mm-hmm. um, and it's hard because I'm not I actually don't miss the intensity and everything and all this all that stuff I just know that that's been part of my life and that's that's awesome I, I actually don't need to chase that um, I don't need to chase that now I can chase something else and see it in a different way um, and help people in a different way like so seeing a young when I was the, a captain you know or a, a senior leader seeing a guy come in kind of in your position or, or someone young and, and see them grow and suddenly go out and perform on the world stage and stuff was massive kick for me. Like, I loved it. So, you know, now it's kind of seen that in, in a different way, you know, with businesses or people who I work with or things like that, yeah. I love it. And for the person out there that's thinking, you know, I've been in this career for a long time and I'm either going to, I'm thinking of switching careers. I've got like a toe out the door or I might retire. How did you compartmentalize that? Because I remember the first time we met and we were chatting about, you know, do you miss it? Like, absolutely not. I was like, you knew I do not miss being on the field doing that. 
How did you separate? How did you walk away from that career and being at the top of, top of your game to going, you know, I'm okay with that. Boom, we're done. Let's move on. What was the process there for you to separate those two worlds? Uh, first off, to caveat on that, like I'm very lucky. <laughs> like I, I did what I love for a long time um, and was re- well re- rewarded for it. Um, so I didn't have to jump straight into you know, a nine-to-five job or something like that. So I appreciate the privileged position I'm in there. Um, I do realise I you know, worked hard and, and got to that point as well. Um, so, but it was probably the last few years of my career, it's like, okay, it's coming, obviously. <laughs> I can't play forever. <laughs> so, you know, rugby's great. It does have you know, professional development windows for you. So there's something happening every week from when you first start playing, you know financial guy coming in or a guest speaker or um, go out and do work experience or go study, whatever it is. Um, but you don't really grasp that as a young fellow. You're just like, oh, I'm playing rugby or <laughs> whatever. I'll do that forever. But yeah, the last few years I've been going, okay, I'm passionate about leadership. I love coaching. Um, you know, How's it going to look when I finished? And I didn't actually have an answer. I still don't really have that answer now, which is, which is actually really fine by me. Um, and even this morning, I'm um, I've got these visions of what I want to do, but I'm happy if it's not exactly what it is in some ways. You know, if it does take me over here or over here, then. Um, so it was actually quite cool writing down some of that stuff and, Good. you know, um, you know, putting something in, in place around it. Um, so, yeah, I had things in place. I was in Japan. Um, I actually ended up being in Japan for seven months away from the family um, through COVID and stuff. It's supposed to be kind of a swan song of our, my career. Family in Japan, kind of more time with them, bit of travelling, um, and obviously didn't happen. So there by myself, basically go from training to home in a strict bubble. Um, couldn't connect with teammates and stuff like that. So it's pretty. So studied, so studied applied management um, degree at it. So I kind of, and it was all just about basically writing a portfolio on my life and on my learning. So I was. Um, it was awesome. So, yeah, really dissected my career, my early life, um, and realised, man, how, what an impact that had on, on my career and all these learnings out of my rugby career. Um, and so it really just set me up and it kind of like, okay, I've got this portfolio that I've got on my learnings and, and lessons. Um, came home, um, wrote a bit of a program for like a leadership course thing um, and created these different things and and just kind of, yeah, so now it's kind of got this basis, got this right here, and it's like, okay, I'm, I'm happy. I can, uh, you know, do something I'm really passionate about, which is helping people, um, and do it in a way where I get to prioritise my, my family. So um, It's beautiful. It's good. What I love about that, Karen, I think others would have picked up on it as well, is that things don't land on our lap. Uh, we've got to work for things, and we've got to uncover things. They're in there. But we've got to uncover them. So post-rugby, you went and did your applied management degree, which gave you the opportunity to reflect, self-evaluate, look at your skill sets. And then that uncovered your next step. Yeah. And I feel that for those of, those of us who are trying to go to the next stage or the, the side step or whatever it might be, we often look for it to land on our lap. But it's that self-evaluation piece that really uncovers what the next step might look like. Yeah, I think it was. And it was the case of literally just looking at myself and going, okay, you know, Okay, A, what am I really passionate about? So what is that thing, you know, that vision or that, you know, thing that you really, your purpose on what you want to achieve? Okay, um, okay, I'm very lucky I can do it in my own way here. So 
if I want to do this, how, how is that going to work? Um, and then really going, yeah, giving myself my own motivation and what, what that was. And so putting that together, um, you know, led me to what I'm doing here. And, and every time I think, like, I want to learn, like, I love learning. And so in rugby, you learn every week, you, there's something new and this, you can get better every week. Um, you know, out of the game and also out of your week. Um, decisions you make, you know, was it execution, decision, mental, whatever, all these things that, so you're constantly learning. And so that, yeah, I've kept that, you know, now it's just like, man, I just want, so I'm reading heaps and listening and, um, yeah, growing all these things that I'm going, man, I'm learning a lot that if I had when I was captain of the All Blacks, I probably would have been a much better captain. But, you know, that's how it works, doesn't it? You know, you just keep growing and learning yourself as a, um, yeah, as a person, as a leader. So um, I think I'll keep doing that because I, I really enjoy it. That's another golden nugget, like to look back and go, I could have been an even better leader had I lifted those books, read, read those case studies, listened to those shows. That's amazing humility. Uh, it says a lot about your mm. constant, never-ending desire to grow. And I think looking around the room, it's the same for all of you guys. You've taken a day out of your lives, your busy lives. You've invested in yourselves. And that's, uh, I want to take my hats off to you all. You went, mentioned another thing, another golden nugget I'll write down after. What am I passionate about? You ask that question. That's a great one to ask yourselves, guys. What are you passionate about? What gets you fired up? What gets you out of bed? What gets you excited? So, Ken, what are you passionate about off-field? What do you enjoy doing family-wise or personal-wise? What are your things? Um, yeah, like, I, like I love, like I'm involved in sport, and I love sport, as you know. So my kids now are in sport, so that's a, a great passion of mine to be able to just go and watch and help out and, and see. So, um, you know, my girls play netball. One also plays water polo, hockey. Boys playing ripper. They play touch and cricket in summer. Um, so honestly, just going there and watching them and seeing them grow, and I think sport's such a great thing, and, and a team sport especially, like for everything and, and young people and kids and in terms of social cohesion and learning to face a little bit of failure mm-hmm. and, you know, working hard and collabor- collaborating and stuff. So um, that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, that's, I'm really passionate about that stuff um, with, with my kids, um, like, it's pretty cool now. My wife probably doesn't agree, but like I'm home a lot. <laughs> um, I have been away a wee bit. Um, so it's, yeah, um, yeah. For me, being able to spend more time with her in, in different environments um, rather than just when, when the kids are there and stuff. So um, it's been really great. Um, and then probably outside of that, like hobbies and stuff, like I, I enjoy golf. Um, and should play it more. Um, um, so yeah, hoping to play a bit more um, with that. And still passionate about sport. So I watch sport. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I'm involved with a bit of sky um, work for rugby. So I do a little bit of that, um, which is awesome. Um, connects me to the to the rugby guys and and what have you. Um, and I just yeah, I could watch basically any sport <laughs> any day, um, all day, every day. So yeah, I'll, yeah. So looking, yeah, I can be involved in that. So other than that, um, here, like I'm, you know, exercise. <laughs> you know, you exercise for so long. Um, if I don't for a few days now, I, you know, something changes in my mindset, eh? So um, keeping myself fit. Um, I have probably can tell I haven't touched the weights room since I finished. 
Um, haven't touched a protein shake since I finished, which is quite nice. Because, um, yeah, you had to, had to fill yourself with a lot of food um, to keep your weight on um, when you're playing. So, and then just, yeah, running. So I got a, some cool, cool mates who got nothing to do with rugby, who sometimes, you know, we go up the hills and go for a trot for an hour or two. And um, if not with them, I'll chuck some headphones on and <clears throat> run around home and, yeah, it's completely different to what I've done, which was all based off on a clock yeah. and got to make this time and do it this fast and you got this much rest and you got to do this. So just being able to go out there and, and kind of just cruise and listen and um, do something like that, it, for me, is, you know, is really beneficial. So that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of keeping me um, in a good spot, you know, mm. mentally and um, keeps me real refreshed. Mm. And that's so powerful. We mentioned it earlier this morning, just the, the connection between physical leadership and leading others. You know, one thing that, theme that comes up a lot when you talk is people. You mention people a lot and your connectedness and relationships, and that's it's really powerful. So when you were in the All Blacks, you were the captain. You would have had to manage people down, sideways, and up. So managing coaches and managers and whatnot. So what advice do you have for people out there when you're trying to influence people, have <coughs> Courageous conversations up, down, and sideways. Um, yeah, it's hard. I think the thing was in the All Blacks, it was if it needed to be said, you say it. Um, and so the environment's got to be right for that, you know, like because no one's going to say to their boss, you know, this shouldn't happen, or you know, unless you feel completely safe and you've seen your boss ask for help as well, and you got trust and all this stuff. So. <clears throat> You know, the environment is crucial and that's your culture, that's all that stuff. Um, so that's first of all got to be right, otherwise it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. You're not going to have these conversations. Um, so once you make the conversations um, a part of who we are, um, then it's a bit easy to have. And the person who's, who you're giving that, having that conversation with will take it in, in, a, in a better way, you know. It's for my growth, it's for the team's growth, for us to have this conversation um, so start off with that probably, you know, lead off with, you know, what, why we're having this conversation, um, you know, for our benefit, for the teams, whatever it is. And then, you know, obviously, as I said, if it needs to be said, you've got to say it, you know, and, and that person, it's, it's crucial. If it's crucial for what this whole organisational business wants to achieve, and if we don't have it, it's going to limit us from trying to achieve it, then have that conversation um, and be brave and it's tough. Hard. Probably the toughest conversations I had as, you know, as leader of the All Blacks was kind of conversations with my teammates who had, you know, breached protocols or, you know, slipped up, um, you know, and you know that's probably around curfews or drinking or missing things and things. So um, those are really hard conversations to have. Mm. Um, so I probably, yeah, had to. Sure, I probably plan them a little bit, you know. Um, so plan them out, so you're not just going in there and maybe lose your cool or lose your, you know, get emotional and things like that. Because you know, you could be pretty angry um, with these guys and things. So planning them out, giving them at the end of it, um, you know, what where we could be if if we get there together, you know. Okay, where you could be as a person. A lot of these guys were probably the younger guys in my team it's like man you could be one of these greatest all blacks you know if you blah 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 do this xyz um 
but it's going to take you to do that. Um, and so, yep, giving them, making them accountable for their actions, but also at the same time saying, hey, look, you get this right, you can be you know, pretty damn good and look at the position you're in, pretty mm-hmm. privileged position to be here. Um, so I, yeah, struggled with those conversations. I got better at them, but, yeah, those were the hard ones um, to have. Um, but obviously the other ones, some of those hardest, hardest conversations are the most important. And that's leadership is stepping into the courageous conversation. Yeah. What's really crucial, and just we're going to wrap up pretty shortly, but I'd love to ask you, as a leader of the All Blacks and as a leader of any business, how do you create psychological safety? So there's the leaders out there that go, yeah, you can tell me anything, and then they gaslight you, or they, they hold it against you, or they erupt. How did you create this psychologically safe space for your players and anybody else to come into and go, you know what, Karen values me, supports me, cares about me. I can be honest and open. How did you create that? Um, I think the environment helps. Like, I think it was, you know, it's not just myself, it's the other leaders in the group, you know, it's, um, coaches. Um, but yeah, I guess as a personal um, leader um, and things like that, it, it came down to the connections. They can only trust you if they know you, you know. Yeah. It's like, well, um, finding that time to, to connect with them um, was was really important, I guess. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably the way to do it. I've kind of mm-hmm. forgotten your question now. Well, but, what you said um, is, yeah. no, it's brilliant. You've done really well. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. They, they can only trust you if they know you. So to me, when I hear that, and I'm sure you guys are thinking similar, get to know your people and spend time with them. Um, do those Friday afternoon drinks. Have an off-site uh, personal development moment. Um, you know, Spend time with them outside of the office. Ask them the questions about their family. Yep. Get to know them. You're right. And that's how it builds mm. trust and respect. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's, it's 100%. And I think, um, you know, our environment is, for the All Blacks, it's, it's cutthroat, you know. It's like, man, you're here, you've got to deliver, and you've... <laughs> He's got to deliver. There's this expectation on you. There's all this scrutiny, um, and so it's it's pretty intense for a lot of the guys. Yeah. Um, but knowing that, hey, we're we're here together. I've got your back. You know, I'm going to back you completely. You know, and and then for them on the field, it's going, okay, I back you so much that you can make your decisions. You know, if you see something and you want to do it, you go and do it. Um, so getting them to that point, I think, is is time. Um, but it's the approach that you take. Um, and so, yeah, as we said, it's just about making sure that you, you value them mm-hmm. um, and value the process of getting to know them. That's powerful. Yeah. Well, one last question I'd love to ask you. So we'll fast forward. You're in your 80s, 90s, or maybe 100s because uh, everything's developing in terms of medical care. And one of your children, <coughs> or maybe even grandchildren, I say, hey, granddad, hey, Karen. How can I go about my life and lead it with purpose? What advice would you give them? Yeah, it's it's um like I think to lead with purpose is is really just to make sure you're connected with something, you know, you know, have a have a real purpose yourself, you know, find out why you do what you do. It's what we talked about this morning. Um, once you know that, then. Or, or what you want to achieve, it's like, man, it gives you, it's kind of no ways out, mm-hmm. if you know what I mean. Um, and so get that really clear and then give yourself no outs, you know. It's like, 
hey, there's no out to this. Mm-hmm. I can, if I want to be here, I've got to do this. Um, so, yeah, I'd say that's what I'd say to them. I'd say, look, um, yeah, give yourself purpose um, and enjoy it 100%. You've got to enjoy it. I love it. Well, with that big smile on your face, I know that you enjoy life. And all my engagements that I get with you, I can see that you, you have an intentional, purposeful life. And you've done that before you got on the field, you've done that on the field, and now you're doing that post-field. So I want to wish you the best, and I want to thank you so much. Could everyone please put your hands together for hearing me. Hey, guys, if you enjoyed the content today, please smash that subscribe button below. And if you want to become part of my community, I've got an amazing free Facebook group. Please come and join us. The link is in the description below. And also, if you've got any questions about today's session, I'd love to know. Just comment below and I'll be sure to get back to you guys. Have the most amazing day.